the, uh, the Hunter, we're back with Joe again. Uh, Joe's been on some extended work, doing some extended work, so we're glad to have Joe back. So Joe, what's been going on with you in terms of your, your, your sobriety and, 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 and recovery? What's, how's that been looking? Um, when I came out here, I started a new spiritual journey. Uh, it's called Exodus 90. And so I've been really ramping up step 11 more than anything. Uh, um, conscious contact with God. Um, sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God. So I've been doing a whole lot in that area of my life. Um, as a result of that, uh, this Exodus 90 asks you to do a lot of aesthetics uh, practices like taking cold showers, uh, avoiding sweets, sodas, um, avoiding snacking between meals, and increasing prayer time, fellowshipping with other men on the journey. And so they ask you to do a why are you doing it? And the why that I came up with was that and this is just my personal journey. It's not anybody else's. I, I respect everybody has to find their own higher power. But mine has a name and a personality and a history. And so um, I've been really diving in deep with that. And so my why to do all of this aesthetics uh, was that I want to, I want to wean myself off of my uh, addiction to money and I want to be more reliant on my God, whom I, whom I call Jesus Christ. Uh, I know Jesus Christ died and all of that, but I'm still connected to him in a spiritual way. He is my God. He is my leader, my master, my all. But prior to this Exodus 90 event, I've been doing mostly talking about it, but this seems like it's time to do something with it. And, uh, I was able to put money out of the way, even though I've made a ton over the last 75 days. I made more than I've ever made in my life in 75 days. And I didn't ask to make it, I just made it. But I was able to give a huge amount of it away, fearlessly because of that commitment that I made in the beginning of this journey. And- uh, What was that commitment? The commitment was to do the aesthetic practices of, of foregoing social media, television, sweets. Uh, I don't eat meats on Wednesdays and Fridays. I, I exercise three times uh, a week, uh, uh, pretty hard exercise. I run five miles three times a week, cold showers, um, all of that. Uh, the big part, no music, uh, unless it was spiritually uplifting, um, no television, no social media, no news reading just uh, secluded myself away from all the things that normally distract me from walking with my God. And it's just opened up some giant doors. Uh, I had this intuition from God that I was to buy my men t-shirts for having completed this job and uh, t-shirts for 45 men, 48 men is not very cheap. And when you're a stingy guy like me, you don't want to give up money like that just for no good reason. So, I felt like, okay, here's my first opportunity to separate myself from my love of money. And so uh, I, I let the crew know what I was going to do. My boss found out and wanted to pay for it. And I tell him, I can't let you pay for it. This is an experiment that I'm doing. So long story short, man, they gave me this big old bill for it. 
And somehow I got that talking to the guy and I don't remember what he asked. He, he asked me, well, what do you think about that price? And I just told him, I said, well, I think it's high. He said, well, what can we do? I said, uh, here's the number I was hoping to hit. He goes, well, let me look at your artwork, blah, blah, blah. He goes, you know what? Uh, I have a code we can use and we can get you to that number. So he gave me a number and it was still not where I wanted. I said, well, we're still over with taxes. I said, I don't care, but, but you didn't hit it. He goes, hold on. In any case, so he ended up giving me the price that I, that I had asked for. So long story short, I, I had to act in faith. And then it felt like God rewarded that faith almost immediately. And uh, man, there have been numerous, numerous occasions just like that one. Uh, lots of things happen along those same lines. So uh, I feel as though I've been weaned off in large part. But you know what? This coronavirus is going to put on a whole new trial. How far am I willing to go to walk with God as my God and not money as my God? Does that make any sense? Well, yeah, I, I hear you. So we're, we're in terms of, of our, our past conversations. So we've talked about the alcohol, talked about sex addiction, Yep. And, and and now I'm hearing a different a different emphasis in your life. So yeah. yeah. So what about the other addictions? What's going on with that? Yeah, the other ones are, are good. I haven't had much free time, and I've been so preoccupied with the job. And I mean, from four four o'clock in the morning when I get up until I was getting home off of work at six p.m. and I've been running. And getting clothes washed and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's been fairly easy for the rest of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. just, just very, very, very busy. And now that I've got some free time, I'm back playing guitar. I've been missing my 12-step groups. Uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling like I'm drifting from that a little bit. So I, I've got some concerns, you know. Other than that, yeah, doing good. Talk about the concerns. Oh, I, I mean, I've heard so many people in 12-step groups, they, you, uh, you start having rich people problems is what I hear people say. You start developing businesses. You start developing friendships outside of 12-step groups. I see people start leaning heavier into church than into 12-step groups. Now we've got the coronavirus thing going on. It's getting harder and harder to stay connected uh, in the physical way. I haven't been to a physical 12-step meeting and, well, I made one recovering couples, I think, three weekends ago. And prior to that, I haven't been to a 12-step meeting to, since January. I made one out here in Beaumont. So uh, I can tell that I'm leaning more into, into my religion than I am in my 12-step. And that's scary because I see a lot of people go out like that. What do you mean go out like that? What do you mean by that? Uh, well, in particular, I, I know people in Alcoholics Anonymous with 17 years, 12 years, 18 years, 25 years that have gone back out drinking. Um, so it just concerns me that that could easily happen to me. Uh, but, I, but I have a feeling as soon as I get free time and, and things open up, I'll be back in 12 steps. Even tonight, my first, I got off of work and I thought, man, I'm going to text him and tell him I'm too tired. I can't make it tonight. I'm glad you did. <laughs> well, yeah, me too, but you know, that's that's what I mean about, I think my addict brain takes over. Like, eh, I don't need to make it. I'm tired. 
I want to go home and get something to eat and go to sleep, get a shower, go to bed. But um, no, these help out a lot. What 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 is what is and I'm just you know you you're dropping knowledge here so uh, for the audience the attic brain say more about that <laughs> the, attic <laughs> the attic brain oh my god uh, well just whatever that however you're using that just you know I'm not it's not a my attic brain man some people call it concupiscence. It's the state of original sin that men are born into, the natural inclination to do what is wrong. That's the attic brain for me. That's the brain that separated from my higher power. That's me without a God. Uh, and it shows up in, I used to get off work and run to a bar, a strip club. When it got worse, I started going to the, to the brothels, uh, run home, get on with pornography, act out all night. Um, that used to be my, that's my addict brain. And being, being isolated where you are, you know, away from your significant other, that, that, you know, you've been able to maintain sobriety and not, you know, not fall off. Huh? I attribute 100% grace of God only. But that's what keeps me sober anyway. I didn't sober myself up. I don't keep myself sober. My job is to stay close to him. His job is to do with me as he will. And I leave it at that, you know. Me, without a God, I'll act out. I'll get drunk. I don't know what else I'll do. Are you, yeah. are you, are you at all concerned with, with once you get back and back into the, the natural environs and, you know, now again, you know, even with the virus, that's going to slow you down, but just being back and and kind of away from isolation and 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 that environment where you 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 in other words you're working so much you know just hours a day there's only so many hours in a day you were you, you know have you given any thought to that? Uh, well, you know, one of my addictions I, I know we talked about it work work is an addiction for me. Mm -hmm. I can work I can work seven twelve probably year round because I get into a zone and it's almost the same adrenaline. It comes from acting out sexually. Um, so, yeah, there's concerns. Normally, at the end of big jobs like this, um, I will feel an overwhelming urge to go and do some serious binging acting out. Uh, I used to leave these jobs and could not wait to go get into a trashed out party kind of a mode. Um, yeah. So, uh, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, I haven't really developed a plan. Um, I do have concerns going back home now that we're going to be quarantined. I'm going to be back around my wife. And even though I love her, we, you know, we, we make sparks. There's, we step on each other's toes. Uh, I'm not so much concerned about relapsing or acting out with my two main addictions, but, you know, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, the self-serving, the wanting the world to do as I want the world to do. Yeah, I've been by myself for a while. I haven't had to deal with another human being yet. <laughs> yeah. Except for I've been living with 36 men, you know? Yeah. I remember we, we sat, we got together and, and you were telling me, in fact, we were supposed to go to one of these, um, yeah, the financial, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, Debtors Anonymous. Debtors Anonymous. So, so what, is, what is this money, you know, I, I'm hearing this, this, this money thing with you now. What, 
What, what, what's going on? What's up with that? What's, what's, what's that about? That's huge, man. I hope you can remember. I don't remember how much you got to hear about what was going on in my financial life. It was alcohol first. Emotional sobriety came in there at some point. Then there was sexual sobriety, which took the longest out of all of that. Then there was uh, marital sobriety, learning how to get along with somebody in recovery. And then the last frontier that we were involved in, my wife and I, was financial sobriety. We had been married, I think we've been, I don't know, we've been together, I don't know, we met in uh, 11-ish, and up until the end of, in the middle of 2018 or somewhere in there, I, I noticed, I mean, you had to get all those onion, other onion layers cleared off before I could be cognizant of how bad my finances were. I mean, it goes in reverse order. I don't know how bad my sex problems were because I was drinking so much. But when drinking cleared up, then well, then there's actually emotional stuff. I didn't know what I didn't know until I knew it. Well, it took a lot of layers to get up to the point where I was able to admit and recognize, man, I'm making over a hundred and some odd thousand dollars a year. And I have been doing this now for a damn near 10 years. I know we've made a million bucks, but we don't know where it's at. Uh, we literally don't know where our money's at. Like we know we've had good times. We know we've eaten out. We know we've got some things, but it's not like we got a house paid off or so we finally were like, what the hell's wrong with us? We ended up just out of sheer uh, desperation, we picked up Dave Ramsey's uh, Total Money Makeover, and we were going to go down that road because we had so many friends saying, yeah, that's the way you need to go. But we got off into that, and that's a lot about deprivation, beans and rice until you pay things off. Somewhere in there, I ran across Debtors Anonymous, probably grace of God. I don't remember how it happened. And I began attending phone meetings. I began reading the literature. I began comparing Debtors Anonymous to Dave Ramsey style. I think Dave Ramsey works out wonderful for non-addicts who can suffer deprivation. But for me, I know that when I deprive myself too much, there's almost always a backlash of overindulgence. Right. I can, especially with my sexual addiction with pornography, I would I would binge, 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 and then swear to God I'm going to stop. And then I would swing the pendulum the other way and go super hardcore religious. And then, and then I would fall out of that and go back to binging. And a lot of that has to do with deprivation and not knowing how to, to moderate. So the DAA, Debtors Anonymous, it just seemed like a more balanced approach. And it was very God-centered. I'm not saying Dave Ramsey is not. 12-step group, I've already got so much confidence in them, I was more inclined to hear what they say. So we started going to meetings face-to-face. -face and uh, What did you learn about yourself? In the, in, yeah. Oh, man, I didn't even get through the steps. I got through step one. So I, I'm, I really have no uh, expertise on this except for to share what I know. I learned that my skewed thinking about wealth, finance and abundance began in the earliest, earliest remembrances of my life. I've been dysfunctional around money, wealth, and abundance my almost my entire life. Um, instead it, of, so slow down, slow. Unpack, unpack that for me. What does that mean? What, yeah, you said a lot. 
Uh, you, you've been dysfunctional about abundance. What, break that down for me. I've had a scarcity mentality growing up. A scarcity mentality about love, about recognition, about the hardcores, food, clothing, electricity. Um, always scared as a kid that there wasn't going to be enough for me. Uh, my dad was a blue collar worker, union guy, so he had a steady income. But it seemed like and I don't know where I made this story up, but it seemed like we were always having to watch my, my mom mostly be concerned and worried about what we were going to pay the bills with. or right. just, We were always robbing Peter to pay Paul. Right. And I don't even know if that's true, but those are the stories I began to tell myself because I remember going to work when I was about 12, cutting yards and trying to give that money to my parents. And then when I got a job at the grocery store, I can't remember keeping the checks for myself. It seemed like I would give them to them. I'd find money. I found $100 one day out running. I found two $50 bills. And I remember almost immediately telling my mother about it and then giving it to them. Uh, uh, deprivation. Uh, felt like we were raised up to believe that only one of us could be a favorite at a time. And it seemed like uh, we got pawned off against each other. Right. So there was deprivation of recognition, deprivation of, uh, like, there's just not going to be enough to go around of anything. And, uh, like, I'm not worthy of keeping any of it. Like, I was taught to sacrifice, that sacrificing my goods for the, in fact, I was told there was no greater gift than to lay down your life for your friend. I interpreted that to mean um, food, money, clothing, that, that for some reason, it was better for me to give away than to keep. <laughs> it's funny because that's what I'm back to playing around with again. I'm hearing it again. Uh, and this has a lot to do with my, with my Christology, what I believe about Christ, my God. I've got this deep-seated foundational belief that Christ didn't even own a home that he literally walked around with no ownership of anything. Uh, I don't know if that's true or false, but that's my current impression of things. So that, so, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to see you in a tunic and sandals when you get back? <laughs> you're going to be walking around with a staff and tunic and sandals? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> do, you know, do you know that I don't think I'm that I, <laughs> I know you're kidding me, but uh, I have not achieved that level of freedom yet. Okay. I have not achieved that level of freedom. I'm still, I'm still holding on to things, and things are holding on to me. So you you were you were you were talking about you, you used two different. You talked about deprivation, but you also talked about scarcity and growing up with scarcity, and 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 so I'm, I'm I was hearing some change though around abundance. Though you you were explaining about this the scarcity mentality. But is, is, is there been a shift with you in you around seeing abundance? Is that what I'm hearing? Is he, is okay, well, one of the things I've come to understand is that abundance is not only limited to the physical material world. So a person could have an abundance of real estate, 
A person can have an abundance of forgiveness. A person can have an abundance of wisdom, an abundance of integrity, of kindness. Uh, so there's spiritual abundance and there's material abundance. I had never thought in terms of spiritual abundance. Uh, I have, I have this sense of humor, man, that is infinite. It won't stop. Right. I've, exactly. I've developed this sense of hope that I have so much hope, I will never run out. I'm abundantly wealthy in hope. And I know this for a fact. I have encouragement stockpiled and will never run out. I've tapped into a source greater than myself. Uh, but I couldn't find that while I'm chasing material abundance. My, my focus was on material abundance. So, so some of the things I learned in those 12-step meetings from hanging around the various people in there, they've had financial abundance. They've had large numbers in their banking accounts. And yet, they were suicidal. They were having trouble with families, relationships, their emotional. Uh, they were having the same symptoms that I used to have when I got sober from alcohol. Uh, you know, the ones on, I think on page 52, you know what I'm talking about? Here's my question to you in that. I, I, in terms of the people and, and, and their situations, do you, do you recognize, does is it, is it, is it make sense to you that when we talk about character defects, that the, the issues that they were dealing with wasn't the materiality of the material, but something, some inadequacy, something deep within them that was manifesting itself in terms of this need for, for the material. Does that make, you, you, does that make sense? You with me? Yeah, I think on one of our conversations, I told you that I used to worship alcohol, sex, power, money, and I think education is one of them too. Uh, I, I've worshiped at those altars thinking that they were gonna give me something that they never delivered on. Um, this is the one I'm talking about. We were having trouble with personal relationships, couldn't control our emotional natures, were a prey to misery, depression. It says here they couldn't make a living, but these people did. <laughs> but they couldn't make a happy, joyful living. They had a feeling of uselessness, full of fear, they were unhappy, and they couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. It seems to me that those bedevilments aren't resolved by having more, more money, more rental properties, more yachts, more vacations. I'm listening to these people in these rooms and some of these people in these rooms have had these things and yet they still suffered from bedevilments almost as if the material wealth was just another bottle of alcohol, a different type, you know, different type of sedative, different type of uh, relaxing kind of a thing. And it doesn't seem like it panned out for them either. Uh, I don't have the answer yet, but this last 75 days, this Exodus 90, this doing without, uh, I have been depriving myself, even of, uh, I haven't done it perfectly. I've had snacks and I've had sweets and sodas and I've taken warm showers. But uh, you ask where I'm at now, this is where I'm at right now. I'm living in a six by 12 foot cargo trailer and 
I'm feeling free. I'm free. Money doesn't owe me anymore. I'm not scared about it anymore. I don't care. I mean, if I got it, great. If I don't, I don't really care right now. We'll see. We'll see when I get home with this coronavirus, man. We may not have money for six more months, you know. <laughs> so, so, Joe, with what, with, with what you're describing, going back to your your childhood, and you were you were talking about, uh, you know, in terms of scarcity there. Do you think that this is this your childhood? All of us, for our, our, our what we what we learned as children, our experiences, our, our up and downs, you know, good and bad. Do you think that that gets programmed out of you by just doing these steps? Or is that character, that, that, that addict mind or whatever, isn't that a part of who you are to our grade? What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Can I hear yours first? Well, yeah, I, I, you know, that, that's, that's, that's part of, um, of. Tell me. Well, well I, you know, I'll share with you. My take is, and that's the whole thing about our, our cast of characters. I mean, you know, these are not, these are not, um, uh, I don't believe in them as uh, behaviors to be modified. Uh, I believe them that they're characters that we have to uh, uh, grow, uh, nurture, embrace, love, accept, forgive, uh, and, 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 and redevelop as part of our overall character. Um, that, the, that, we, that we, we overcome them or we're going to push, you know, push them down or, or, or that, that they're not going to, you know, that's the whole thing of going out or coming back and falling off. See all this back and forth. I, I, I believe it's because we're trying to suppress a part of who we are, not just a, not just a behavior that, that is, um, you know, an aberrant behavior of some kind. That's my take. But, but, you know, you ask, so you ask me, so I'll tell you, that's my take. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so what do you think? Um, I think the question was, is this something that comes out of my 12 step work? Yes. Well, that's not the question. My, my, my question to you is, I, I hear you with the 12 step work. I'm asking you go, going back because you went, you went back to your childhood and that's serious because that's, that's at the root of it. It's, it's nurtured as a part of you. And I'm asking you, do you, do you, do you, do you think, do you feel that? And I hear the strides that you're making and the step work you're doing, but uh, I'm asking you, do you not feel that, that that part of your character, that part of your being, that part of who Joe is, the little, you know, Joe is a little boy and, and, and how Joe's, that that, that that character is going to be with you to your grave. You know, you, you know that, that's what I'm asking. That's my take. But. No, no, uh, man, uh, I serve a powerful God and he puts people in my life, he puts, he plants his own ideas. He, uh, I'm his, right? He does with me as he pleases, and I want that. So he sends me C.S. Lewis, the uh, English author who was atheist turned Christian. I don't know if you're familiar. You must love C.S. Lewis. All right. 
I didn't know C.S. Lewis, but he sent me C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. And he talks about um, that most, uh, most people, and I forgot what word he uses, but it's like tyrants or dictators or rotten people are all rotten in the same way. But he says saintly people are tremendously unique. And he says that what happens is when you give your life to Christ and you follow Christ, you will be more unique as a human being because Christ will reveal the truest, the truest part of yourself, refined and unique. So I don't know that I have a character to play. My character is to follow Christ and do as Christ would say. And then if I can do that, and to the degree that I do that more perfectly, do I become more perfectly who I was created to be? Uh, man, I hope that makes sense. The big book says when we took such a position that uh, we had to quit playing God, it didn't work. God, uh, hereafter in the drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the father. We are his children. It says when we took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. I have that new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. His work, not my work. Established on such footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, we enjoyed peace of mind as we discovered we could face life successfully. As we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. That's all that's happening, man. <laughs> that's all that's happening. Uh, the closer I draw to my God, the less and less I care about me and my little designs. They've never worked out, man. They've never worked out. I'm telling you, I've been sober for almost 10 years. This year makes 10 years. I've been sober for almost 10 years. And I'm making a mess out of my financial life because I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, when I went into DA, they told me something about this, that I deserve this little raise thing. I don't know how it got into my head. So I told my employer, they asked me to take a lead role. And I said, yeah, I'll do it, but you got to pay me. I'm going to just throw you a number. I said, I'll take the job, but you got to pay me 55 an hour. They said, uh, we'll get back to you. About two weeks later, they called me in and said, uh, well, John, we don't need your services anymore. <laughs> you're laid off. You're fired. So the very next day, I got another offer at another job, doing the job that I thought I loved for $55 an hour. So I took that. No, it was $60 an hour. I'm sorry, $60 an hour. Took that job. I think I was there eight weeks. You remember that job. And I told you, man, it's killing me. Right. I can't. I'm, I got to quit. And I did. I quit. And, and within three days, another buddy called me and offered me even more money. Ridiculous, right? And I took that job. Uh, I ended up missing 10 days of it. And that was paying well over a thousand a day. I missed 10 days because I lost a card that I needed. Ended up going to that job, made a big money. There was the explosion over in Port Natchez. I went back home for the holidays and I came back in January, ready with my Exodus 90 group, 
ready to start this journey, this walk with my God, and try to cut myself, wean myself off from money. That's where I'm at. I got more money in the bank right now than I probably had in the last, I don't know, 20 years. And I don't even care about that money. I don't, I mean, it's there, so what? So what? It ain't about money no more, man. I'm trying to grow, but, but hey, I've been disconnected for a little while. So I may be a little bit Looney Tunes right now. <laughs> it's all right, Joe. Look, we're gonna we're gonna put we're gonna pause it there, and and we I get back here. I'll, I'll talk to you in, in you know several days now, and um, we'll pick it up from there. Okay. Okay. Hey, man. There's debtors anonymous on the phone meetings. I can send you when we can go together. We're not gonna be able to go face to face till this corona's gone. Send it to me. You know okay. I want it. Okay. okay. Send it to me. Send it to me. Okay, 10-4. Sounds good. All right, bro. Take care of yourself, Joe. All right, man. Peace and blessings to you and all your loved ones, man. You too, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Blessings. Bye-bye. Be safe. Yes, sir.